The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. I'm Rufus Griscom, and this is The Next Big Idea. Today, we bring you number 19 in our countdown of the top 22 books of last year chosen by our listeners. What do Leonardo da Vinci, Ben Franklin, Albert Einstein, and Steve Jobs have in common? What happens when you add Jennifer Doudna, the Nobel Prize-winning biochemist, to the mix? No one can answer these questions better than Walter Isaacson, who's written biographies of all of these individuals, including last year's bestseller, The Codebreaker, Jennifer Doudna, Gene Editing, and the Future of the Human Race. In the book bite he made for the Next Big Idea Club, Walter reflects on the brilliant people he's written about and shares the five lessons they've taught him about how to be creative, how to be imaginative, and as Steve Jobs put it, how to think different. Hi, I'm Walter Isaacson, author of The Codebreaker, the tale of Jennifer Doudna, gene editing, and the future of the human race. Jennifer Doudna, she's the one who just won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. She helped figure out CRISPR, the gene editing technology, has now been leading the fight against the coronavirus, and she's an all-around really cool person. I've written biographies of Einstein, Benjamin Franklin, Steve Jobs, Leonardo da Vinci, and now Jennifer Doudna. And you'll realize that they're really smart people, but that's not the thing about them. Smart people, as you know, like they're a dime a dozen, and they don't usually amount to much. What really matters is being imaginative, being creative, as Steve Jobs would say, to be able to think different. And so for my new book, The Codebreaker, here are five insights from the book and my previous books on how to think different, how to be creative, how to be imaginative. And insight number one, be curious, be passionately and playfully curious. The cool thing about this insight is we can all be this way. We're never going to quite be like Einstein and have the mental processing power to figure out the uh, equations of general relativity. And while we may never understand microbiology the way my new hero, Jennifer Doudna, does. But like Jennifer Doudna, who used to wander around when she was a kid, looking at the sleeping grass in Hawaii and touching it and figuring out why does it curl up or the shells that she found on the seashore, and wondering about the spiral. That was just pure curiosity, and it reminded me of Leonardo, who used to collect shells too, and figure out the spirals. Why do they do that? Now, when we're in our wonder years, we always ask these questions, up until some grown-up finally says, hey, quit asking so many stupid questions. But what we have to do is be like Leonardo da Vinci and Ben Franklin and Steve Jobs and Jennifer Doudna, and not outgrow our wonder years. I remember stumbling across a notebook entry in Leonardo's notebook about why is the sky blue? And he does all these experiments, you know, spraying water in the air to try to figure it out. And I realized I'd seen the same thing in Einstein's notebooks. Why is the sky blue? Now, you know, you and I see the blue sky almost every day, but we've quit wondering about what makes it that way. But with Jennifer Doudna, she did that. She wondered about the blue sky and about the green ocean and exactly what is life. And 
that's the insight I get from all of my people, is just wander around and be curious. Ask about the obvious things around you. Now, the second insight is be useful. I mean, like curiosity, that's fine. And it's cool to always be curious about things, but it's even cooler to try to connect it to something useful. As they say in Jennifer Doudna's world, move it from bench to bedside. In other words, move it from a lab discovery to being something that can be applied, you know, for patients, for our health, to make things better. That's what she did when she understood RNA. She helps figure out the structure of RNA. And she does it as a curiosity-driven thing. But once she does, she's able to use RNA to be a guide to edit genes. And also, we're now using it to be a messenger to tell ourselves how to make certain proteins that will help stimulate our immune system against coronavirus. I remember Ben Franklin, when he was looking at sparks and electricity, and he wrote in his notebook, what good is it? We have to find something useful for it. And then one day he flies a kite in the rain and realizes that lightning is like a spark, and you could draw it down from the clouds with a lightning rod. And so here's the perfect thing that all of my creative people do, is they say, hey, now, how can we apply this? For Jennifer Doudna? That aha moment came when she realized she had discovered the exact components to make a tool that could cut DNA at a targeted spot. And she and her colleagues said, you know what? This means humans will be able to edit their genes. Insight number three, know when to compete and know when to cooperate. Competition really draws us to do amazing things. Steve Jobs was a competitive person. You know, he fought like hell with Bill Gates, especially when Bill Gates tried to do that Windows operating system that Steve thought looked too much like the Apple graphical user interface. They got into lawsuits. They fought each other. And even Microsoft quit making some products for the Apple computer. But when Steve came back to Apple a little bit mellower, you know, in the late 1990s, after he'd been ousted from the company, first call he makes is to Bill Gates. And he says, come down, we're going to take a walk, do a handshake, settle our differences. And they do. And Microsoft becomes a big supporter of what Apple is doing. Same thing happens with Jennifer Doudna's and her team. They got into an incredible race. It was like one of the great races in uh, scientific history, where in 2012, They were racing against a group at MIT and Harvard, including a wonderful guy named Fong Zhang, born in China and raised in Iowa. And they were all trying to say, how can we make CRISPR, which Jennifer Doudna had discovered the components of, but how can we now make it a tool that works in human cells, that can be delivered into human cells and can edit human DNA? And in January 2013, They both finish at about the same time. Uh, Actually, Fong Zhang publishes a couple of weeks earlier. But they both have gotten patents, and they're still fighting the patent battle over that. Now, patents are important in some ways, uh, and patents are the way you get uh, rewarded for having discovered things. However, at a certain point, you got to just shake hands and say, you know, let's 
quit fight divvying up the proceeds before we finish robbing the stagecoach. In other words, you know, let's make a deal here so that we can make this wonderful discovery something a lot of people can use. That's what Texas Instruments and Intel did on the microchip. And that's what I hope someday Jennifer Doudna's crew and Fong Jang's crew do on the patents that deal with CRISPR. But what they did do when coronavirus struck is both of their teams decided to apply their knowledge to how are we going to detect the coronavirus. Because all CRISPR is is something that bacteria have been using for a billion years in their fight against viruses. CRISPR is a way that bacteria take a mugshot of viruses that have attacked them in the past, and they put them in clustered, repeated sequences in their DNA, hence the name CRISPR. And so if that virus attacks again, they can chop it up. Well, that's kind of what we need in this day and age of virus attacks. And so what Jennifer Dowden and her teams do, and Fong Jang's teams do, is they say, let's all turn our attention to using these tools to fight COVID. And they put all of what they discover in the public realm. They allow other people to use it and build upon it. They don't try to get patents when it comes to using it to fight COVID. And they collaborate. They build on each other's research. Insight number four is to persist. You know, Jennifer Dowden, when she was in school, her guidance counselor told her, girls don't do science. But she persisted. She decided she would. And of course, she goes on to win the Nobel Prize. Steve Jobs, his colleagues called that Steve's reality distortion field. Whenever somebody told him something was impossible, he persisted. Even early on, even before they founded Apple, he and Wozniak were working the night shift at Atari, and they had to code a game that was like Pong, but a single-player game called Breakout. And Steve Jobs says to Woz, hey, you got to do it by the weekend so we can go back to the Apple farm where we've been working, hence the name of the company they founded. And Woz says, man, it's going to take me more than three days. It'll take a few weeks. I can't do it that fast. And Steve had gone to India and learned from his guru to stare without blinking. And he kept saying to Waz, don't be afraid. You can do it. And boom, Waz stays up three nights in a row and we get the game of breakout. Same thing with the the uh, board inside the Apple Macintosh. Steve thought it was ugly. He wanted them to fix it because he knew you have to have beauty in the parts unseen. And he kept staring at them saying, don't be afraid. You can do it. Two or three decades later, he's still doing that and finally doing it to Corning Glass to get the glass he wants on the iPhone. Well, as for Jennifer, she wasn't invited into the mainly all-male club of people sequencing DNA for the Human Genome Project. So she focused as if she were playing soccer. She said when she plays soccer, she plays the positions others don't play. She decides to focus on RNA with two great women, Jillian Banfield at Berkeley and Emmanuel Charpentier from Europe. Turns out that RNA is a far more interesting molecule than DNA. You know, DNA just sits in the um, nucleus of our cells and curates information, doesn't really go out and do anything. RNA takes that information, goes out to the outer regions of our cell, and oversees the building of proteins. That's why you can use RNA as a messenger in vaccines or as a guide for CRISPR gene editing tools. So they all persisted using RNA 
And it was two women, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna, together, who win in October of uh, 2020 the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. And finally, insight number five. Connect the tech to humanities. There's a moral component to all of this. It's bigger than just making money and making gadgets. Jennifer Doudna, after she cracked the code and was able to create this gene editing technology, she has a nightmare. And the nightmare, she's brought into a room by somebody who wants to figure out how to use this technology. And the person looks up and it's Adolf Hitler. And so Jennifer Downer decides that she's going to dedicate the next few years of her life gathering scientists from around the world to have some rules in place, some guidelines saying, when do we edit our genes and when don't we? Should we make inheritable edits to unborn children? Uh, when should we stop that? When should we use it to fight diseases? And when should we use it to enhance our children, like make our children taller or smarter? or have a hair color that we want, or have bigger muscle mass. All these things are the moral issues we're going to have to face, we are going to have to face in the next 20 years. And by we, I mean you and me. We can't leave this to the scientists and the politicians. And so it's got to be up to people who know how to connect technology to humanity. You know, Steve Jobs did that every time he launched a product. That slide at the end of the product launch was always the intersection of the liberal arts streets with the technology streets. And he said, those who can stand at that intersection are those who will have technology that will make our hearts sing, that will connect to us emotionally, that will be good, that will be kind. Yeah, he used the word kind to talk about technology. And of course, the symbol of that is Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, you know, the nude guy doing jumping jacks in the circle in the square. That's actually a self-portrait of Leonardo, standing on the earth and in the cosmos and in the spirituality of our existence, saying, how do I fit in? When scientists started fighting the coronavirus and they started sharing their intellectual property, and when they started worrying about the morality of biotech and genetic engineering, that's when they reminded themselves and future generations that research science is a noble pursuit. You know, when I asked Steve Jobs at the end of his life, what was, you know, how was he going to be remembered? What was his legacy? He said, life is like a river. And I used to think, you know, your legacy is what you got to take out of the river, all the things you made and acquired and, you know, all the goodies you got, all the things you learned. But now I realize he said, that life is about what you get to put into the river, the ideas that you get to contribute for future generations, the products you make that will make other people's hearts sing. That's what people like Jennifer Doudna do too. There they are creating the technologies that will help humanity. And even though they sometimes do it for prizes and for patents, in the end, a person like Jennifer Doudna and a person like anybody who wants to follow in her footsteps, whether it be in medicine and bioscience or in any particular field, it's not, as some graduation speeches say, about following your passion. Everybody's got a silly little passion. Anybody can follow their passion. It's about connecting your passion to something larger than yourselves. That's what everybody I wrote about did, from Steve Jobs to Ben Franklin 
to Albert Einstein, to Leonardo da Vinci, and now to Jennifer Doudna, who has created tools that will make us healthier, make our children safer, and will help build a better human race. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll enjoy the book. Thank you, Walter. I think what we all love in a good biography is the chance to learn hard-earned lessons from extraordinary people while lying on the couch. I had the great pleasure of speaking with Walter about The Codebreaker last spring. It was one of my favorite podcast conversations. You can find it by scrolling back through this feed or through the link in the episode notes. In the episode notes, you'll also find a link to download, you guessed it, the next Big Idea app, which has hundreds more book bites, a new one every day, plus tons of other riveting content. There is no better way to get smart fast. With book bites, you can read a book in the time it takes to lace a pair of hockey skates. Tomorrow, can you pass the CEO test? I'm Rufus Griscom. Have a great day.